Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Money Pit is presented by Wagner Sprayers, the Angie LL Flooring, Heart Tools, Bank of America, Total Tech, and Deep Sentinel. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on the projects you'd like to get done around your house. So what are you working on this weekend? Today, tomorrow, next week, got a project you'd like to do, a project you started but got stuck in the middle, need some advice solving a problem, got a decorating dilemma. We are here to help you take on those and many more projects. You can help yourself first by reaching out and contacting us at one eight 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 Money Pit or posting your question to moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, a tree in your landscape can be a thing of beauty, but after it's gone, that stump, ah, not so much. While there's nothing easy about getting rid of the stumps, if you're patient, though, there are a number of ways to do that for very little cost. We're going to tell you how. And if you're planning on painting your home this summer, choosing the right colors can make a huge impact on your home's appearance and its value. We're going to share some tips for picking the perfect colors for exterior painting projects just ahead. And if you're a renter, you might think there's not too much you can do to cut your summer cooling bills down and stay comfortable at the same time. But even though you don't own the place you live, there are lots of low-cost or no-cost things you can do to stay comfortable and stop wasting money. So we'll share a few ideas to help the renters out. And what projects are you guys working on or maybe you're thinking about starting? We'll reach out with your project questions. And we're going to share some tips to help you get that project done once and get it done right so, you know, you don't have to do it again. And we might even give you some tools to help you take on those projects because today we've got a heart 20-volt cordless four-tool combo kit to give away. It's worth 178 bucks. going out to one caller, one listener drawn at random who reaches us with a home improvement question. Heart tools are well-made, they're versatile, and they're available exclusively at Walmart. So reach out to us right now. Again, that number is one eight 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 Money Pit, or post those questions to moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Victoria from Arkansas is online is having a grout issue. What's going on? Well, you know, grout this, grout that, grumpy, grumpy grout. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, grout. You know, I hate grouting. It's real tough. But this is um, with granules in it. But there's just a couple of small areas where it's fallen out, the grout. Okay. Do, do I still need, I mean, this is a pretty tall shower. Do I still need to pull out all the grout from the top to the bottom, or can I just grout those few little particles that fell out? No, you can definitely regrout those areas where the grout's popped out. And I know what you're talking about. That's happened. 
uh, to me as well. Do you have some of the grout available, some of the original grout by any chance? No, because I bought this house about four years ago, but I found the same type of grout, but it is kind of like a sandy grout. Are you familiar with that? For a shower, you typically don't use sandy grout. That's usually in a floor where you have a wider joint. You want to basically use a shower-style grout, which is more of a powder than a sand grout. You can find this in home centers. It's really inexpensive. Unfortunately, even the smallest package is going to be enough to do about three showers worth. <laughs> Can I use the grout in the tube? Depends on the color. You know, if, if the color matches, I, it's really just a matter of getting the color right. I'll tell you what I did. When I grouted my shower, and I have like a bathroom, you know, tub and shower all together. And the last time I grouted that, what I did is I actually bought like three different grouts. One that was like a little bit lighter, a little bit darker, one that I thought was pretty close. And I, I mixed up just a tiny bit of each to check, double-check the color because when it dries, it, it has a completely different color sometimes. And then yeah, I was able to find the one that worked best. And in our case, we did take out a lot of the old grout, but, but our, our goal there was to really do the whole shower. For you just to do a little patch there, you don't necessarily have to do that. Oh, thank God. Okay. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I am really grateful that you guys called me back and saved me all that time and aggravation. <laughs> Oh, you're so worth it. That's what we do. We save time and aggravation. <laughs> yes, sir. And no more grumpy grouting. Thank you so much. All Have right. a blessed day. Thank you. All right, Byron's dealing with popcorn, not the yummy, delicious kind, but the weird ceiling kind. What's going on? <laughs> That's correct. Uh, it's easy to take off, but what do you do afterwards? Uh, um, you know, I know that was a, a cost-saving uh, cut for drywall workers at the time. Builders would put popcorn ceiling on because it would basically mean the drywall companies, the spacklers, didn't have to do as good of a job, right? It hit all of the sins of uneven joints and stuff. So, yeah. So, what you need to do is this. First of all, it's great that you got it all off and that it was pretty straightforward and easy. And by the way, we have a fantastic article for those of you that are suffering with popcorn ceilings on our website, a complete guide on how to remove this nasty stuff. But now that it's off, you're looking at probably a rough, uneven ceiling. So what you want to do is look for the worst parts of the of the ceiling and try to respackle and sand those to get them fairly flat. Then what you need to do is to use a primer, and that's really important. You want to use a primer first, and then a ceiling paint. Don't use anything that has a sheen. It's got to be absolutely 100% flat. I would use a good quality ceiling paint. And the reason I say that is because if there's any sheen to it whatsoever, you're going to see every little like uneven section of that ceiling and it's going to look terrible, especially if you have like a light fixture up near it. It'll kind of reflect and look bad. But you try to fix the worst parts of it, then you prime it, which gives it an even um, sealer across the whole surface. And then you can put the ceiling paint on top of that, which is going to be a bright white flat paint. And that's the best you can do. And I think it will be good enough to the point where you'll be really happy with it when you're done. Well, great, great. Appreciate you guys giving me a call. All right, Byron. Thanks for reaching out, and good luck with that project. What are you guys working on this first week of summer? If you're inspired to spruce up the outside of your place, you got two, three, maybe months of warm weather left. So why not enjoy it by making your place the best it can ever be? We'd love to help. Call us with your questions at one eight 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 Money Pit. And hey, when you listen to The Money Pit, you get the answers to your home improvement questions. Plus, you always get a chance to win cool tools to get the projects done. And today, we've got a great one. It's the Hart 20-Volt Cordless 4-Tool Combo Kit worth $178 going out to one listener drawn at random who reaches us with a home improvement question. Now, you can't just reach us and say, I want to win the prize. No. (laughs) Hello, I'd like the prize. We get those calls every week. 
I notice when they come in, I'm just calling for the giveaway. No. <laughs> At least you're not going to get the giveaway. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. No, you got to have a question. We are uh, trying to get uh, you to uh, connect with us the old fashioned way. We bribe you every week with cool stuff. So if you are ready uh, to pick up a combo kit from Hart, we are ready to answer your questions at 1 Money Pit. This includes the Hart drill driver, the impact driver, a reciprocating saw, an LED light, 220 volt. 1.5 amp hour batteries, a charger, and a tool bag. And by the way, that battery, it works on all the hard 20 volt tools, which is very cool. So pick up the phone, give us a call with your questions at 88 Money Pit or post them to moneypit.com. All right, now we've got Catherine in Arizona on the line who's dealing with an issue with sod. And Arizona's pretty darn hot, so tell us what's going on. I live actually in the mountains in Arizona, and so our issue is not the heat, but the cold. And so what we've had happen is that we laid sod about eight years ago, and unbeknownst to us novice homeowners, it had mesh netting on the backside of the roll. And I don't know if we were supposed to remove that or something, but now the sod did not take to our climate, and it uh, has died, and we would like to reseed or lay down some new sod or something like that. But in order to prepare the soil and till it and all of that, I just don't know what to do because there's this mesh netting all over the ground, and in some areas it's exposed, in some areas it isn't. But I just wondered what your advice would be. So the sod never really bit, so to speak. It never really grew through the mesh netting and, and connected with the soil below? Not not really. I mean, it did in some areas, but it just did not grow well for our climate. It couldn't handle the winters. It just wouldn't recover. Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is a soil test. You can, you know, sometimes your county extension services and, and services like that will, will do the test for you or have a landscaper do the test. But you need to know what's in that soil and how to adjust the pH to get it just right to reseed. Yeah, to fertilize correctly. and Right. You know, otherwise you might not be giving it the stuff that it needs and it won't grow. Yeah, you're working blind. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that the best time to do this is not the beginning of summer. The best time to do this is in the fall when it's a little cooler out because even if you did everything right and it started to grow, the intense heat that follows a month or two down the line will burn it out and kind of ruin all the good work that you did. So I would spend the summer getting the information that you need to kind of come up with a plan. Now, in terms of whether or not you remove the old sod or not, if it's really loose and disconnected and not really knitting and sort of sitting on top, then in that case, I would take it out and then prep the soil below. If it has connected, then I would leave it. Now, if you have sod, is it weedy? Is it also weedy, Catherine? There are lots of weeds. So it's not so much the sod that's the issue, but it's the plastic mesh netting that was on the backside of the sod roll that's there. And I just don't know, can we till with that there? Or is that going to get all caught up in the tiller? I, I think you probably can. I mean, in my experience, those types of backers are designed to stay there and, and not be removed. And they just, they just sort of deteriorate naturally away. Hmm, okay. So I, I don't suspect that that would be an issue because otherwise, how would you ever lay it down? Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know what was supposed to be common, just that it hasn't degraded at all. Um, yeah. After eight years, it's still totally there. Well, here's an idea. One of the things that you could do is you could um, rent um, a seeding machine that, that slices the lawn. There are machines out there that will actually slice it and, you, and drop the seeds sort of into the slits. 
Mm-hmm. And that will cut through it. But really, before you do any of that, the first thing to do is do a soil test and see what's going on there. Yeah, this way you know how to feed it, how to take care of it, when it's going to want to be seeded. I mean, that will really answer a lot of questions for you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if the side, if you end up deciding to leave the side in place, and if it gets really weedy, one thing you could do is something called a Roundup restoration. You can spray Roundup right on the side and kill the side, and actually leave it in place. And then put the seed right up into the dead grass. It will hold it really well, and it will re-sprout, and the Roundup will not prevent the new seed from taking root. Hmm. All right. That makes sense. Well, if you've got a stump to get rid of, there are a couple of really expensive ways to get rid of it. But there are also some very inexpensive ways to make those stumps disappear as well, if you've got some patience. First, let's talk about the most expensive one, and that is a method of stump removal called grinding. It is a job that is about as far away from a DIY project as you can get. You need to hire a tree service. We'll use a specialized stump grinder. It's a very large, very nasty-looking sort of medieval torture-like device that grinds that stump to below grade, and that's why it's very expensive to do. Now, if you're a hardy do-it-yourselfer, digging out a medium to small size stump is also a possible option. Now, it's a matter of exposing the trunk below grade, chopping out that wood, and then repeating until the stump is gone, or you're exhausted. I mean, whichever comes first, but it's probably (laughs) going to be that you're exhausted. (laughs) It's going to be a project. Now, an easier way to get rid of the stump is to use removal chemicals. Now, these are sold in home centers and hardware stores, and they contain potassium nitrate, which is going to speed up the microbial process of decomposition. Basically, you're going to drill deep holes into that stump and then pour the chemicals into those holes and then cover the stump with a tarp. Now, you got to wait about four to six weeks, and that wood is going to become spongy. And then at that point, you can chop more easily the super spongy wood and then remove it. Now, lastly, you can also burn out the stump. This works best on older, drier stumps, but it's potentially dangerous. So you really need to know what you're doing. And it involves pre-treating the stump with a flammable liquid. It soaks in for a week or two, and then you start a small fire on top of the stump, and it will eventually burn all out. But of course, as I said, it's dangerous. you got to be doing this in a very carefully supervised situation. It can't be near the house. It can't be near other trees. It really has to be pretty much all by itself, uh, or you're going to have an unexpected result, which could be a disaster. So we've got the step-by-step instructions on stump removal for all of these methods on moneypit.com. Go there. Check it out you'll find one that's perfect for you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now we're going to talk insulation with Albert from Massachusetts. What's going on? Well, my house is about 50 years old, and the attic is unused space. It's not very large, It's um, and it's got minimal insulation. It's just the the, uh, strips of the um, fiberglass, Fiberglass. paper backing. Okay. And I'm thinking that it needs more than that. And I'm wondering if I should get, should it be blown in or uh, sprayed on, open cell, closed cell? you have any suggestions on that? Sure. So if you want to use spray foam insulation, I think that's an excellent choice, especially if you're going to be in this house for many years, because it does a couple of things. It expands and it seals and then also is a much better R value than uh-huh. the fiberglass insulation. We did this in our very old house. We were replacing a roof at the time, and my house was so old it didn't have roof sheathing. So when we add the plywood sheathing, 
I opted to spray foam the insulation from the inside, and we basically sprayed the bottom of the roof rafters uh, and the insulation and the sheathing, effectively sealing in the entire attic space. You no longer needed any ventilation in the attic there because spray foam is not impacted by moisture. And now we find that the attic is the same temperature as the rest of the house or pretty close to it, even in the summer when it used mm-hmm. to be boiling hot up there. So I'm a big fan of spray foam insulations. I think that's an excellent option. Now, you also mentioned that you're not using this space that much. Right. If that's the case, blown in is a possibility as well. Okay. But once you do that, you're definitely not going to be able to access it because it'll just be covered. And you will continue to have to ventilate that because if you use fiberglass insulation, that is susceptible to moisture and humidity getting into it. And if it gets just a little bit damp, it doesn't insulate very well. But I think you may find, as I did, that when you do spray foam, it's an instant change. It's just an incredibly efficient thing to do. Uh, it definitely makes the house more comfortable and, and cuts back on both your cooling and your heating bills. Mm-hmm. Now, with the spray foam, they would have to remove all that old fiberglass rolled-out insulation. I'm, I'm, I Actually, it. I didn't do that. I left my old insulation, which was in the floor of the attic, because I didn't see any point in removing it. There was nothing right. to be gained from doing that. It just was another job. Now, I already had some of that flooring down. I had to fill in some areas that didn't have flooring because I wanted to be able to take advantage of it for storage. But we applied the spray foam not to the flooring of the attic or the ceiling level of the second floor. We applied it to the roof rafters. And that's the only time you would do that. If it was fiberglass, I never would have done that because that would have been a very difficult area to vent. But because it was spray foam, I was able to spray the underside of the sheathing and the roof rafters. And now... If you go up in my attic, it kind of looks like a cave up there because the foam is just everywhere. And they sprayed it all in one day. They had a really good crew. And I have a really hard house to work with with this because I had some flat roof sections and, and that sort of stuff. I had some tough crawl spaces, and they did everything with spray foam. And I, we found an instant improvement. In fact, if you go to MoneyPit.com and search Guide to Insulation, the MoneyPit Guide to Insulation, the story is in there, including my before and after utility bills. So you can see what effect it had. I appreciate the callback. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey guys, make sure you enter the Safe at Home sweepstakes going on right now at moneypit.com. It's presented by Deep Sentinel, which is the only security camera system with live security guards that monitor your camera footage in real time. Now, these guys can intervene to stop a crime or call the authorities in seconds. Now, you can win a three camera system worth nearly 1900 bucks. Or we've got five lucky second place winners who are going to get a one camera system plus a full year of live guard surveillance. Now you got to enter to win it. So enter the safe at home sweepstakes once a day at moneypit.com. And hey, guys, if you really want to step up your chances, make sure you share the sweeps with friends to earn bonus entries. Enter today. Enter now. Enter every day at moneypit.com. All right. Now we're heading to Texas. We're going to chat with David about a French door. What's going on? Uh, yes, I want to remove my sliding glass door on my patio. It's about 30 years old, and I want to put okay. in a French door. And my concern is is uh, water leakage getting in, because sometimes my back patio will flood a little bit, and I want to make sure I seal the bottom of the door correctly and, and the top. And, and I wasn't sure how to do that. When you see your patio floods, does it flood where it gets above the sill of the existing sliding glass door? It does sometimes. We've, we've got a... A cement slab out there that's about four inches down below the sill, but sometimes right. I have a deck built around that slab, so sometimes that if it rains real hard, the water will fill up in that uh, on top of the mm-hmm. slab there before it drains off, and sometimes it'll get up to okay. the door. 
All right. Well, the problem is that no matter how you install that door, old or new, the connection between the door sill and the house wall is not designed to stop a flood of the such you describe. I mean, you're basically talking about, you know, what would happen in, like in a shower pan situation, right? Where the water would come up and fill up the pan. It's not, it's not designed for that. So you could put all sorts of sealants under that door. It's still going to leak through eventually. You might be better off concentrating on that drainage problem while you're doing this work. And okay. if you can't get to the slab, if you can't remove the slab and, and repitch it or put a new one that slopes away, the least that you should do is maybe cut out the section near the house and install a drain there, you can use a a type of drain that basically will sit just below the grade. It will soak up the water and then pitch it so it drains away from there. There's a drain called Easy Drain that has the drain pipe and like like a foam aggregate around it all in one, which makes it a lot easier to put in than a traditional French drain. But you got to control that water problem. And this is the time to do it because no matter how you seal, try to seal that new French door, that beautiful door, which is going to be expensive against your uh, floor or your slab, whatever it's sitting on, it's not going to hold back water that's flooded above the level of the door. It's just not designed for that. Okay. It's designed to keep rain out, you know, if it's flashed properly, but not a flood. Okay, great. That really helps. It eases my mind anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Yes, sir. Thank you for all your help. Well, as the saying goes, you only have one chance at a first impression. But when it comes to your home, that first impression is what everybody sees from the outside all the time. Absolutely. And the right colors can definitely make a huge impact on how your home looks to passerbys. It can increase the curb appeal. And if the color palette is done well, it can even help increase the value of your home. Now, Leslie, when it comes to making the color choice, people get so overwhelmed. They get all tied up, all confused. They're afraid of making the wrong decision. So what's kind of the way to break that down? What should we keep in mind when we're trying to create that great first impression? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. People get overwhelmed because when you go to a paint center, there are so many colors and so many tones of the same color that you're like, these are kind of similar. Do I like this one or that one? It's very overwhelming. And if you don't have the ability to, say, drop a different color door in your house in Photoshop or see through a designer's eye of what the potential, you know, your house could look like, it can be very, very difficult to make a choice. So you kind of have to think about a few things. First of all, drive around the neighborhood. There's going to be other houses that look sort of similar in architectural style to your home. What do their doors look like? What color are they? Is there something that's super intriguing or exciting or interesting about a door that you're passing as you're going around? Take a picture of it. You know, knock on the door and ask or just be stealthy, but don't be creepy. (laughs) But, you know, know I'm saying look around and see what you see. Now, you should also think about your house. Are there any architectural details on the home itself that you might be able to highlight, you know, outside of your doors, window frames, shutters? Some of these can work very well when you use a contrasting color to the door, for example. And that can really make the home feel welcoming and really make your house stand out. Now, that's a situation where you want to add these as sort of accent colors. But what if you have some ugly or unusual feature that you want to kind of camouflage? Maybe the windows don't all line up or something like that. There's a one-off window somewhere or some piece of trim that just doesn't really do it. If you paint that the same color as the, the main house, that can also have the opposite effect and help you actually camouflage it, right? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, it's interesting how when you paint something the same color, it kind of disappears to the eye. So that goes for things like downspouts, gutters, any sort of air conditioning unit, things like that that are sort of attached to the home and would normally be very obvious. Paint them the same color as the house. They're going to blend in and you'll be surprised how quickly they go away. Makes sense. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. If you've got questions about taking care of your house inside or out, give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. When you give us a call, you are also entered for a chance to win some awesome tools to help you tackle all those home improvement projects you're planning and dreaming of. And this week, we've got up for grabs the Hart 20-volt cordless four-tool combo kit. Now, that's going to include the Hart drill driver, an impact driver, reciprocating saw, LED light, plus two 20-volt batteries, a fast charger, and a tool bag to keep everything in. I mean, it's really great, and the battery system will work across all of the Hart 20-volt tools, whether they're outdoor automotive lifestyle so if you've already got some or you're planning to add now here's two additional batteries to help you out heart tools are available exclusively at walmart they're offering a complete line of tools and accessories so that you can easily tackle any project do it with heart learn more at hearttools.com that heart tool 20 volt cordless four tool combo is worth 178 bucks going out to one listener drawn at random make that you call us now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT Richard in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yeah, I have a lift pump that's making an unusual noise, like if it'll fire off and then it makes like a harmonic noise or about halfway through the, the pumping station. Okay. I don't know if it'd be like a check valve that needs to be replaced in there or if it's, uh, if you get more background on it, 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 it was, it's a replacement pump for one I had in there. It had a quarter horse in there before, now it's got a half horse. It's actually a bigger lift pump than what I had before. Generally, when I hear a squealing noise, I, you know, I consider whether or not it's an issue with, with the bearings. It could also be an issue with the valve itself, perhaps the check valve, because sometimes as the water streams through that, it's vibrating uh, against the valve, and that, that vibration can transmit. I mean, plumbing pipes are really pretty good transmitters of sound, so it can transmit and amplify and sound really bad. Uh, if it's still working and it's not uh, slowing down on flow or anything, Anything like that, I guess I would think probably not to worry about it too much. But my concern is that if it is a wear and tear issue and something's going to seize up, you may end up with a surprise repair. This is not your main bathroom, is it? This is an additional bathroom? Yeah, it's an uh, addition that was put on later on. So, All right. Well, I mean, if it breaks down, it breaks down. At least you're not out of luck. But uh, yeah. my concern is that it might it might be a precursor of worse things to come. So I would keep an eye on it and see what happens, Okay. All right. Well, if you're a renter, you might think that there's not much you can do to cut summer cooling bills and also stay comfortable. But even though you don't own the place you live in, there are lots of low-cost to no-cost things that you can do to stay comfortable and stop wasting your money. We're going to share a few ideas in today's Smart Spending Tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Smart Rewards Credit Card. All right, first off, let's cover some basics. If you're renting a house and that house has storm windows and it has central air conditioning or rooms where you're running the window units, you need to close the storms. The reason is that same air that leaks in during cold winter months when we're used to closing storm windows also leaks in during the summer months, except it's hot, of course, and it drives up your cooling costs. Now, if you've got window air conditioning units, if it's possible, place them in windows on the shadier sides of rooms. This is perfect if the room is a corner room and you've got a choice of two different walls you could use. 
if you choose the shadier side, it's going to be more efficient because the cooler these units stay, the better job they do keeping you cool and comfortable. And because they're not overheated, they don't have to work as hard to do that. And that's how you save some money. Now, another thing that you can do is during the daytime hours, you can keep shades or your blinds, whichever you've got, closed in the rooms that face south and west. This is going to reduce the solar heat and lower the amount of work that your air conditioners have to do to keep you comfortable. Now, let's talk about fans. A lot of people think, oh, it's fans not going to work as well. But when used in conjunction with your air conditioning, I mean, it's really fantastic. They provide great evaporative cooling effects. So they're going to move the air and thereby cause any moisture on your skin to evaporate, which will instantly make you feel more cool and more comfortable. And you can do this more efficiently. If you've got a ceiling fan, take advantage of their one energy efficient feature. It's a reversible motor. By controlling the direction of the blades, You can actually use the fan to pull up cold air in the summer and push warm air down in the winter. And you can also be strategic with room fans. Position them for maximum air circulation in the living areas. And if you're using a window fan, make sure to open another window across the room. And that helps with cross ventilation. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Jan wants to know, how can I tell the age of my house? Now, she says, I've heard that you ask listeners how old their homes are, and I've wondered, how do I figure that out for my own house? Ah, that's a great question. You know, when I spent all those years as a professional home inspector, um, I had to kind of figure that out pretty much every day. And there are a lot of tricks of the trade for this, but some that are like super easy to do. If your home has its original plumbing fixtures, the date that the plumbing fixture was manufactured is almost always stamped into that fixture somewhere. So for a toilet, take the lid off, turn it upside down, see if there's a date stamp there, or look on the side walls of the inside of the tank. Same thing goes for kitchen sinks, especially those old cast iron sinks. Those are always really fun because a lot of people love to keep them around because they're so classic. They stay around a long time. People will remodel their kitchens and keep those old sinks. Yeah, they're super durable. Yeah, I found the dates actually casted into the bottom of those. Other things to check, the electrical panel. If it's the original panel, there should be an electrical inspection sticker on there. And then also on our website at moneypit.com, we have a whole list of things inside your house that based on their presence or absence, you can kind of guess. So for example, if your house has the original knob and tube wiring or has the evidence that it originally had that kind of wiring, you know, you can figure that house was probably done like in the 30s. If it's got steel plumbing, maybe that was the 40s or the 50s, or, or, or older than that. We've got a whole sort of cheat sheet on the website at moneypit.com that can help you figure that out. But it's a great question, Jan. Um, sometimes people need to know that when they um, actually get homeowner's insurance. They might ask you that. Uh, the other thing to do, by the way, aside from sort of snooping around your own house, is the uh, public records that are kept on your property, wherever, you know, whatever you have, a town or a county that keeps those, it's usually part uh, of that record as well. So you might be able to reach out to those folks. All right. Enjoy your house detective work over there. Now we've got Anna who says, we have a great outdoor seating area, but the cushions are never as stylish and durable as I wish they could be. 
Do you have recommendations for fabrics that I could make my own? So, Anna, I think here's the issue. If you're buying, you know, cutesy little fabric cushions and pillows from, you know, a store, any kind of store, whether it's a fancy design store or a regular designer shop, you're probably not getting fabric and foam cushions that are meant to be outside. They're meant to be in covered areas or brought in or covered every single time. If you're looking for something that's going to perform well, clean well, and stay mold-free, you have to make sure that you use an outdoor-grade foam for the insert. Whether you're having this made, buying it online, whatever, look for that outside-grade foam for the inside, and then look for outdoor fabric for the cover. And make sure there's a zipper so you can take it off easily and launder it as needed. But you want to look for something like a sunbrella fabric, things that are made specifically to not lose their color outside, to not get moldy. Otherwise, you're just going to be buying new cushions, I feel like, every year. You know, that's really interesting. I didn't know that there was such a thing as outdoor foam. And what's the difference? Oh, is the for foam, sure. Does it drain better? It does. It drains better. It's antimicrobial. So it's not going to sit there and hold all that moisture until you sort of sit on it and squeeze it out of it or physically squeeze the water out. So it's constantly helping in the draining and then it will dry more quickly and not grow mold. So it's definitely a better choice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We really appreciate you guys spending this part of your day listening to us, and we hope that we've given you some valuable ideas and tips to help you create your best home ever. If you're focusing on outdoor projects this time of the year, we are too. So remember, you can reach out to us with those questions anytime of the day or night at 888-MONEY-PIT or posting your questions at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pit.